This is the ACR 22 Daily Podcast Review featuring the Room Now faculty as they present to you their favorite abstracts and presentations from the meeting. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Akil Sood, reporting from now at ACR 22. Today I'd like to talk about abstract 0795 and 1857. The COVID-19 pandemic has brought many challenges in the field of rheumatology. As you may have seen in the clinic or in the hospital, there have been a surprising number of new cases of autoimmune disease following COVID-19 infection. So is this by chance? Abstract 0795 looked at new onset rheumatologic complications following COVID-19 exposure. In this study, they had a cohort of patients who tested positive for COVID-19, and their symptoms persisted up to one year after infection. And autoantibodies were also collected following the infection. And in the study, they found that the antibodies UNRNP and SSB were the most prevalent autoantibodies following COVID-19 infection. And these antibodies correlated with dyspnea and fatigue up to 12 months after the infection. And a small set of these patients had, were later diagnosed with rheumatic conditions. To further add to this, abstract 1857 found an increasing number of cases of MDA5 associated rhabdomyositis since the onset of the pandemic. So what can we take from this? The pandemic has had a major impact on our community. And as rheumatologists, we're likely to see the long-lasting effects of COVID-19. It's important to be aware of the potential link between infection and autoimmunity. And additional studies are needed to further study this link. Hi from Philly, I'm Dr. Rachel Tate representing Team PSA and today's Best of PSA for Monday, November 14th, 2022. So our Best of today is really a couple things, but we're going to start with a clinical pearl from Dr. Jason Kolfenbach, whose name I almost always mispronounce, so I hope I got that one right for him. And it's discussing the pattern of uveitis as it may be different than AS versus PSA or an inflammatory bowel disease. Now this was from his Secrets and Pearls lecture earlier this week, but I wanted to bring this up because it's very important clinically. So uveitis and AS is what we traditionally think of in, um, in terms of acute and onset, anterior, unilateral, potentially recurrent, and often occurring in males. But what you don't know is that in psoriatic arthritis, we traditionally think of uveitis as being female predominant, bilateral, chronic, slowly progressive. Now obviously if a patient is HLA-B27 positive, their uveitis, regardless of their underlying disease state, may actually adopt more of that classic acute anterior uveitis picture. So I wanna make sure you're aware of that. But we are challenging definitions in spondyloarthritis and psoriatic disease. So there's gonna be a shift. I, I predict that there's gonna be a little bit of, of a shift in how we discuss uveitis with patients and what we're looking for. We actually already discussed this with Team PSA yesterday in that single center study that was done out of Spain with abstract 1159. That one, just a quick recap, 5% of psoriatic arthritis patients, majority of whom were women, were also HLA B27 positive and had that more classic AAU presentation with their uveitis. Now, my second best of for today is abstract 1493 by Dr. Phil Mies et al. This abstract is from Port Evitas. It's patients who are psoriatic arthritis. There are about 300 patients included in this particular study. 
and they were looking at evaluating the responses between early and late onset of DMARD initiation in psoriatic arthritis patients. Among early initiators, over 80% of these patients started a DMARD therapy in the same or subsequent year um, that their PSA was diagnosed. Among those late initiators, nearly 50% were um, initiated on therapy within two to seven years after their initial psoriatic arthritis diagnosis. What they've been... <laughs> What they ultimately found is actually both reassuring and interesting. So both of our early and late initiators experienced improvements across all disease state measures, including patient-reported outcomes, up to six months after the initiation of their DMARD, which is something we've come to expect. However, the findings also indicated that there was a better response, including potential for MDA, that was achieved and more likely in patients initiating DMARD therapy within one year of their psoriatic diagnosis versus delaying treatment initiation. So I encourage you to continue to talk to your patients, to do everything that you're doing in clinical practice, to educate your colleagues, to advocate for those patients, and of course, as always, to keep learning so that we can better understand disease. What I also want to remind you is that tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern, we are having our best of team PSA for all of ACR 2022. Catch that on RoomNow.com. As always, log in to RoomNow.com for all of the latest and greatest coming from Philadelphia. Please follow me at UpToTate on Twitter. And of course, signing off as I'm catching a flight home from Philly. Make sure you watch for us next year. We'll see you soon, ACR. Hi, this is Bella Mehta from New York reporting at ACR 2022 um, and I have with me Kai Sun uh, who's coming from Duke University in Durham, uh, North Carolina and uh, we're talking about abstract number 0063, implementation of uh, SLE medication adherence intervention. Uh, with that, uh, Kai, uh, what uh, kind of work did you do and can you tell us more about the abstract? Sure, thank you for the opportunity. Um, we all know that medication adherence is a big issue in patients with lupus, and it's often frustrating for clinicians to deal with that in uh, regular visits. And it's sometimes we underestimate how much patients are being non-adherent, and patients don't like to bring up non-adherence issues. So to make that conversation a little bit more efficient and easier and uh, happen more routinely, we developed this intervention uh, where we teach clinicians to use pharmacy refill data in the clinic visit and use effective communication strategies with the patient to talk about that. Uh, and previously published that this intervention was feasible, acceptable, and there was a signal in increasing adherence. And in this study, we wanted to better understand exactly what happens during the intervention. So we made audio recordings of clinic encounters with patients who were non-adherent to their medications. And then we interview the patients after the visit to get their uh, take on their experiences uh, with the intervention. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it is, uh, for lupus patients, it's been a huge problem with adherence. And we've talked, uh, we've 
listen to a lot of conversations about this this acr so this seems like a good uh, good way a good start to solving this problem um how many patients did you have and how easy was it to deploy this intervention we auto reported a total of 25 visits with six different rheumatologists uh so about four to five patients with rheumatologists it was uh in the auto recordings the conversation these were all with non adherent patients so with adherent patients it would be much simpler easier yeah. uh and take much less time but with non adherent patients on average it took 3.8 minutes to have this conversation um and uh the providers uh did the intervention as we taught them 88% of the time so the fidelity was great um and they used the patient uh, strategies um and so it was easy uh and it didn't take a lot of time so i think there is a lot of promise intervention that's great how much time did it take you to uh, teach the providers this like for, like do the providers have like two days worth of courses to do or how how long does it take to teach them yeah we developed the intervention uh with the providers and with patients initially so uh when we developed the intervention we involved the providers in a few uh, focus groups um and after that it's actually uh it only it actually doesn't take very much time to to do what's the number uh 10 minutes essentially like the i can distill it down to 10 minutes or i could expand like if if okay. providers want to learn more about the specific you know computer strategies i could expand it to you know an hour or 2 okay. hours but Okay. Uh, I mean I guess in this day and age anything that can be shortened for providers who have a lot of burden uh to do this um, that would be amazing. So and how about sustainability? How long do these interventions last like uh, after 6 uh, months of doing this training? Uh does it still last? This is also a great question. Uh we initially did our initial study uh in 2019. prior to the covid pandemic and then we did this study uh this past year so our clinicians are still using the intervention and this kind of idea they found that uh it's easy to use so um we haven't a, a, a studied it officially okay yeah exactly great great so um one last question um can this be implemented like in different universities uh, is it epic based uh, or is it uh, just only some emrs can do it that's another great question we use epic and the pharmacy refill data that's pulled in um is available should be available in all epic systems but the the data the, the company also on their website at least they work with virtually all EMRs so it should also be available in other EMRs systems uh, so i'm assuming there's a cost involved to do it if uh, we want to disseminate it to like 10 universities there is actually no cost it's already the data is oh, already put into epic so that's another uh good thing about this intervention that it doesn't involve additional cost to the clinic right uh i think this is a great study given that 
um, adherence is a huge, huge problem in our lupus patients. Um, so uh, there's hope. And uh, with that, uh, signing off here. Um, this is Bella Mehta at Room Now, reporting from ACR. Uh, and for, for more of these, uh, follow me at Bella underscore Mehta at Twitter. Thank you. I'm Jonathan Kay from UMass Chan Medical School in Worcester, Massachusetts, reporting for Room Now from ACR Convergence 2022 in Philadelphia. Uh, this is the third and last day of meeting, and the late-breaking abstracts were presented this morning. I'd like to highlight abstract L03, which was presented by Paul Emery. It was a phase 2A clinical trial of parasolumab, which is a checkpoint inhibitor PD-1 agonist. This is a completely novel mechanism of action for treatment of rheumatoid arthritis, and the medication was infused at either 300 or 700 milligrams intravenously compared to placebo. The primary endpoint was a change in the DAS28 CRP, uh, which is a continuous variable which allowed for a smaller sample size. But the study was a positive study showing that there was a significant improvement in disease activity with parasolumab 700 milligrams and 300 milligrams, and the safety profile was quite good. Uh, interestingly, when they looked at patients who were biologic or targeted synthetic DMAR uh, experience compared to those who were naive, there was a better response rate among those who were experienced than those who were naive, suggesting that perhaps this uh, subgroup is already pre-selected to have a slightly different mechanism of action for their disease, which responds better to checkpoint inhibitor agonism uh, because they failed biologic or targeted synthetic DMARD uh, treatment in the past. Parasolumab is a novel agent. This is a phase 2A study, so it's unclear whether the results will be the same from phase 2B and phase 3. However, it's exciting and I really look forward to future studies of this novel agent. I'm Jonathan Kay, reporting from ACR Convergence 2022 in Philadelphia for Room Now. For more information about this and other abstracts from Room Now, please come to roomnow.com.